for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 134, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, we're going to do something a little different. I don't have a guest, but I want to talk to each and every mother out there about Mother's Day and about you and about things that bring you down or things that make you excited. I really want to do this because I think that you are the ones who get very, very little attention, very um little praise, and many of us mothers feel very underappreciated. So I really wanted to encourage you, uh, first of all, that you're not underappreciated. Usually your kids don't express their appreciation until they're well into their 30s, but that's something for us all to look forward to. So let's just jump into uh, Mother's Day, and here we go. Now, moms, I want you to stop and think about yourself for a while. Put your kids' needs aside, your husband's needs aside, your significant other's uh, needs aside, your parents' needs aside, and let's just focus on you. Many of us are excited for Mother's Day, and many of us almost dread Mother's Day. And we think, oh, there's one more day where I need to make meals for other people, get the house ready, clean the bathrooms. Or maybe you dread Mother's Day because you're a single mom and life is tough and your kids don't always remember to say happy Mother's Day or here's a nice present, mom, or even write you a card. You see your friends, other mothers getting gifts, and maybe they even get breakfast in bed. And it is so depressing for you. So today, I want to talk to you and I want to talk to every other mother out there who loves Mother's Day, but also to those of you who get kind of bummed out on Mother's Day. It's okay. But I want you to see Mother's Day as a time to take a break or at least give yourself some encouragement. Now, if you're working on Mother's Day, that's okay. Find another day of the week where you can give yourself a break. But one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is the two biggest problems that trip you up. The two biggest problems that bring you down. One, exhaustion. And two, worry. You know, I'm talking to you because these were and still can be my biggest issues as a mom when my kids were at home. So first, let's look at exhaustion. You know, I've long believed that the single biggest factor that makes moms miserable and feel they're doing a terrible job is exhaustion. You know, the kind of exhaustion that makes you feel like you have sand beneath your eyelids. I remember when I worked my residency and we'd work 24 to six hour shifts, my eyes just felt like there was sandpaper scratching them all day. And when we're that tired, that's exactly what we feel like. Or maybe you feel like you're carrying a truckload of bricks in your stomach. You know, it makes you do things that you hate and you would never do if you weren't so doggone tired. 
It makes you yell and scream. It makes you get agitated with your friends, your husband, your parents, whomever that you deal with. It makes you maybe stop eating altogether or overeat all the time because you'll do anything just to make life a little more tolerable. It makes you think weird. You believe you're a terrible mom. That every other mom has time to exercise, cook their family's healthy meals, and that they're happy, happy, happy all the time. Exhaustion messes with your head. Let me say that again. Exhaustion messes with your head. As a matter of fact, if you're exhausted right at this moment, I'd find some pretty bad thoughts in your head if I could crawl in there and take a look at them. So what do we do about exhaustion? You know, some of you just say, well, that's the way it is. You know, my kids are very demanding. I'm running them all around. There's nothing I can do. And this is just part of life for the next five or 10 years. Well, it doesn't have to be. Sure, there are going to be things that you have to do that are going to be very tiring. But let's first look at where exhaustion comes from. And then we'll know how to fight it a little bit better. Exhaustion comes from several places. And I see a lot of you conscientious millennial moms doing way too much for your kids. And most of what you do for your kids does not need to be done. Also, exhaustion comes from not setting boundaries with your kids and saying, nope, I'm sorry, I cannot do that today. I'm too tired. It's hard to say no to our kids because we want to be uh, better moms. And the way we measure whether we're better moms or not is how much we do for our kids because that's what our friends are doing or that's what moms on Facebook and Instagram are doing. They take their kids to the park every day. They take them swimming. They make sure that they're in the best violin lessons or music lessons or the best school or getting homework done. You name it. There's something you feel that you need to do for your kids and many of those things do not need to be done. When you're overdoing things for your kids, you become agitated, frustrated, and even angry. And sometimes when we're doing this, we end up resenting our children because we feel we need to work so hard for them. And this requires a lot of physical energy, emotional energy, and this can take you down. Now, Sometimes you feel agitated, frustrated, and angry because you might have depression. And many times depression comes from overworking yourself, feel like you're constantly failing somebody, your kids, yourself. Um, you know, maybe you had a, a predisposition to it because of your family. And a lot of times we're walking around with that sense of bricks in our stomach and constant agitation, like everybody drives us crazy because we have depression. And if this is you, for heaven's sakes, go to your doctor and get some help. So this begs the question, why do we run ourselves down running everywhere for our kids? Seriously. Three out of four moms I see say they hate doing this. They hate spending so much time on the road, but they feel there's no other choice. 
all kids do this and they need to make sure their kids stay up with the other kids. They don't want to be a bad mom who's selfish and keeps her kids home at night. God forbid you keep your kids home at night and have dinner with them while all of their friends are at hockey practice, soccer practice, you name it. Plus, they want their kids to have a great experience growing up and finding out what they're good at and building their kids' self-esteem. I get that. But they believe in order to accomplish these things, we need to farm our kids out so somebody else can coach them great skills so that then they can be great people later on and get into a great college or have a great job so they can have a great spouse and great kids and start all over again. Let me ask you something. Do you want your kids when they're adults to live like you do now? Do you want them exhausted and worried all the time? We communicate to our kids that it's better for them to play eight sports than to be with us. Now, we know it's not true intellectually, but we do it anyway because we feel we don't have a choice. Then we have the boundary issue. And let's be honest, most of us are terrible at this, particularly when it comes to our kids. We'll do anything for them and sacrifice ourselves in order to give them what they want. They learn that we will do or give anything they want and so they ask. And rather than saying, no, I'm sorry I can't drive you to movie tonight, I'm just too tired, we say, sure. Then we're exhausted and we become resentful. We do the same thing with our friends, bosses, clients, patients, anyone who, quote, needs something from us. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this time together. I need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. So now let's turn to constant frustration, anger, and agitation. If we're honest, many times it comes from our kids, not the kids themselves, but our kids' behaviors. They fight. They refuse to do what we say. They ignore us, and they just plain make life miserable at times. So why do we do this? That's a great question. It's a boundary issue again. We let our kids do anything they want because they're, quote, imaginative, creative, curious, and oh, so smart. It's interesting. Whenever parents, particularly mothers, write to me about their kids' bad behavior, they always start off the sentence with, my child is so smart, almost too smart for her good, but she's constantly fighting with her brother and saying mean things to me. What do I do? it doesn't matter if she's smart. You know, she's misbehaving. So that has nothing to do with it. But we feel like we constantly need to to defend our kids and say nice things about it. I get that. I did that when my kids were little. We feel our kids are so smart and curious, they need to explore, i.e. wreck our house in order to become creative. They fight with their siblings because they're competitive and simply expressing themselves and they're rude to us because we want to allow them the freedom to express themselves. The problem is this, mothers, no one's happy. So let me ask you a question. Why do you let your kids behave this way? Why do you refuse to stand up for yourself, refuse to say no, refuse to set boundaries that will make your life easier. Why don't you treat yourself as well as you treat your kids? That's a 
That's a great question. You know, I often have kids in my office who are out of control because their mothers or even fathers say they're too smart for their own good. They want to learn and grow and they're running around my office and that's why they grab my $600 otoscope and turn it on and off. And they may want to be a doctor when they grow up. So that's why they laugh when the kids grab my stethoscope and swings it around her head. Now, don't get me wrong. I love kids. I lo- I've never met a kid I don't like, but many are out of control because you, mom, don't feel that you deserve to set boundaries and make your life better. So I'm going to say this. It doesn't matter how smart, advanced, curious your kid is. Chasing him around because he won't listen exhausts you mentally and physically, no matter how you defend your child's behavior. It is not okay if it's hurting you and taking you down. So if you don't want to make your child behave for their happiness, which they will be a whole lot happier if you make them behave, do it for yourself because you, my friend, deserve it. And those of you who aren't spending as much time with your kids as you like because you have a job, come home and feel like you should let your kids do whatever they want because you feel guilty because you've been away from them, stop it. You need quiet, healthy time at home for yourself and with your kids. Okay. And one of the reasons I wrote my uh, Simple Discipline That Works course is because Most of us mothers, and I lead the pack here, friends, I lead the pack, don't do well setting boundaries with our friends and particularly with our kids. So let's move on to worry. This is a big one. At least it is for me, and it was for me. We don't want our kids to fail, get bullied, get hurt in a car crash because we chose the wrong car seat, die of SIDS, get leukemia, cancer, or pick the wrong friends. You name it. If something bad can happen to our kids, we'll worry about it. We'll even make things up to worry about. I've had parents ask me if their toddler should go to bed at 7.30 or 8 because they didn't want to deprive uh, her of sleep or and what age should they introduce kale or spinach into the diet because they didn't want their child's brain to underdevelop. I'm serious. I'm serious. We mothers are a funny lot. Again, I lead the pack. When our kids were young, I was working in a large children's hospital in uh, Wisconsin. And here are the things that I quote, gave my kids. And then I worried about them having them. Here's my list. I'm serious. I gave my kids cystic fibrosis, a neuroblastoma, leukemia, meningitis. I worried about them being stolen and sex trafficked, run over by a car, having tuberous sclerosis, and more. Honestly, I really believe my kids were going to get them. It was just a matter of time, okay? So I had to prepare myself for my kids getting one or two or three of these bad things, and worry helped me do it. (laughs) Wrong. Worry consumes us. It hurts our heads. It makes us lose, lose sleep and resent the people we worry about, and it sucks the life out of you. You know that your head hurts, your heart hurts, your body hurts. And then when we're tired, we worry about more. So we get into a vicious cycle. 
So we're exhausted, we worry. We're more exhausted, we worry more. So now that I've depressed every single one of you out there, let's talk about how you can get rid of these. And you can, friends. You need to because you deserve it. Because you mothers deserve it. And if you learn nothing else from this podcast, I want you to know something. You are doing a much better job than you're giving yourselves credit for. And you say, how do you know that? Because you're listening to the podcast to learn how to become a better mom. That says that you're already a good mom. Good moms who are not interested in being better moms don't listen to podcasts, but you're here. So first of all, if you're a young mom with young kids, Always remember one thing. A wise older woman told this told me this when my kids were young and I was exhausted. Your kids will grow. Your kids will grow out of diapers. They will grow out of their crib, their high chair, their car seat, and more. And then you'll have more energy, but you're going to be sad because you want them to be little kids again. And the reason you want them to be little kids again is because you forgot how exhausted you were. And to the single moms listening, take heart. Life will get better. Your kids will reach an age when they can help you out. And when they get to that age, make them. You need help and work is good for kids. Do not do the guilt thing and go, well, I'm gone all the time. I want my kids just to have fun. I want to have fun with them when I'm home. No. Work as a family and helping around the house makes kids feel valuable and you need the help. So here are some practical ways that you can gain more energy. One, spend 15 minutes a day in silence. Silence. No auditory or visual stimulation. This means no music, no computer, no phone, no reading. It means you sitting alone with yourself, undisturbed. And if your kids are little, do it while they sleep. If they're not. If they're older, put on Peppa Pig. I mean, really, put on Peppa Pig. If they're school-aged, tell them that you're going to go upstairs in your bedroom for 15 minutes. You'll be right down. Second, you need to know that silence slows your heart. It calms you. It calms your inner world. It allows you to focus on yourself rather than your kids, your family, your boss, your employees, your friend. It allows you to be with you. It allows you to like you. And when you're in the silence, do not allow thoughts that are berating you circle in your head. Do not. Then, Take 30 days and retrain your kids. 30 days, one month, and begin to retrain your kids. They need it and you need it. Set some ground rules that will help you. Bedtime's earlier. They clean their room. They help with dinner. They turn off the television when they're told. Can they do it? Absolutely. They don't do it because you tell them to and you don't respect yourself or you feel guilty and they don't do it. And you go, well, okay, I'm not going to deal with frustration and fighting right now. This will take so much stress out of your life. Now, it takes time to retrain your kids. So if they don't come around in two weeks, um, don't worry keep working at it and set one rule ground rule at a time so get them to go to bed earlier and then don't worry about the rest or get them to clean their room but don't worry about the rest 
pick off one at a time. If you need help in doing this, if you need help um, learning what are age-appropriate boundaries, what are age-appropriate skills, again, take a peek at Simple Discipline That Works. I have a free webinar on it. Now let's talk about worry. And I, as I said, friends, this is my specialty. Now here are some really helpful ways you can get rid of it. One, whenever your mind goes to this, I know my child's going to get bullied, hurt, ignored, etc. You fill in the blank. Speak to that thought and say, that thought is outrageous. And tell yourself that your kid's chances of getting leukemia, getting cystic fibrosis, getting meningitis, and so forth, the chances of that happening are, are far less than you think they are. Now, they do happen, but they're so much less frequent than you think they are. Second, assume your child will be healthy, happy, and grow into a great adult until proven otherwise. Okay, so live as though your child's going to be fine and healthy and happy. And then if that's not going to happen, someone has to prove that to you or your child has to prove that to you. But assume the best, not the worst. Assume he will not die of crib death until proven otherwise. Your children, your child will not get cancer, leukemia until proven otherwise. In other words, live life it's as though it's going to be good and you're going to have a good relationship with your kids and they're going to turn out well and they're not going to get something terrible until it's proven otherwise. And I'll tell you, friends, this really works. Third, swap worry for faith. Swap worry for faith. Worry and faith cannot coexist. You either worry about something bad happening or you have faith in God that he will either prevent it from happening or if it does happen, he'll give you strength to deal with this. Now, this takes time, but it's huge. It's really, really, really hard to trust somebody other than yourself, but you can. Now, think about your child and the issues you worry about. Then picture this enormous, bigger-than-life hand, okay, the hand of God, with your child sitting smack in the middle of it, right? God's got your kid. As a matter of fact, God cares about your child more than you do. God doesn't want to see anything bad happen to you. He's good. Do bad things happen? Yes. Does he cause them to happen or want them to happen? No. But I can tell you this because I've seen it over and over and over. When God puts his grip on your child and has his hand right below your child, your child's much safer than he is with you. And I tell you this, friends, because I've been doing this over 30 years, and I can't tell you the number of kids who've told me that they have seen angels, that they felt God speak to them, not audibly, but they feel Jesus is there and they don't know why. And then their parents say, don't, don't talk to her that way. I said, no, 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 let your kids talk to me about what they feel. So let's review the things I want you to do this Mother's Day. Learn to take 15 minutes a day in silence. No noise, 
no looking at things, no talking to anybody, no reading anything. Second, begin to retrain your kids because you deserve it. You need it and they need it. And you think, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's called getting control of your house and setting boundaries with your kids. And you say, well, but what what will it do to my kids if if I I ask them to do this and they're unhappy? Am I going to be mean mom? No, you and they will be so much happier when there are strict boundaries in the home and you'll be so much less tired and you'll be so much nicer to them and you won't resent them and you won't yell and snap and be agitated. Also, when specific thoughts of bad things happening to your kids erupt in your mind, talk to them. Tell them to go away. Tell them they aren't true. In fact, tell them they don't belong there. Live as though your kids will be fine and happy until you are proven otherwise. And then see this enormous, kind, strong, and gentle hand of God holding your child in the middle of that hand. Put that picture in your head. Put that picture in your head as you're falling to sleep at night. Put that picture in your head when you're scared to death, something bad's going to happen. He's going to die of a crib death, or he's going to get leukemia or a car crash. Whatever it is, picture your kid there in the palm of his hands. And when you aren't there, that's okay, because God's got it covered. So my friends, this Mother's Day, No matter what you're going to be doing, no matter whether or not somebody's going to give you flowers, a card, breakfast in bed, or whether they ignore it, you need to know this. You are an extraordinary person, an extraordinary mother or grandmother who's caring for her grandkids. You have the toughest job in in your life because it exhausts you mentally physically, and emotionally. It drains you. You owe it to yourself to care for yourself. I want you to think about this. Many times the thoughts that come into our head, like, I'm such a bad mom. I can't do this. You know, my friends cook better meals for the kids than I do. My friend would never yell at her kids like I'm doing, so on and so forth. I want you to stare those thoughts down and then ask yourself something very important. Would I say any of those to my best friend? Would I walk up to my best friend and say, you are the worst mom I know? Or, you know what? I can't believe you cook such bad meals for your kids. Or I can't believe how agitated you are with your kids all the time. You'd never say that to your best friend. So let me ask you, why do you say it to yourself? You know, that's horrible. Stop it. If something comes in your head that you'd never say to a best friend, do not say it to yourself. Refuse. Refuse to accept the thoughts in your head and replace them with better thoughts. I'm a bad mom. No, you know, you're not really a bad mom. You're working really hard on it and you're doing a good job. Oh, I'm such a terrible cook. My kids don't have really good meals. Yes, you are. Maybe you're not the greatest cook, but who cares? 
you give your kids protein, you give them veggies and fruits, and you don't let them snack on Coke and chips all day, okay? You're, you're not a horrible cook and you're not feeding your kids junk. You're trying to do a better job. Life can be wonderful for you. If you're a divorced mom or a single mom or a depressed mom or an anxious mom or a worried mom or a happy mom, it doesn't matter. Life can be wonderful for you. But in order to get that, you're going to need to be a little more assertive with other people, particularly your kids, and also yourself. Do it. Love who you are are. Take tiny steps toward doing what you can to give yourself more energy. Do what you what you can to eliminate that huge long list of worry that you have. As I said, 95 plus percent of what you worry about is ridiculous. And it's not going to happen anyway. And finally, believe that God is real and he's got your kid. He's got this, my friends. And so do you. So ladies, I hope and pray you have a wonderful Mother's Day. I hope that you look in your in the mirror tonight and you see a lovely person, a wonderful person. Stop focusing on the stuff on your body that jiggles or that you need to change or that you're this or you stop it if you need to get a new mirror get a new mirror you know but whatever you do stop beating up on yourselves and begin to be assertive enough to give yourself and your kids and your family the life that you and they deserve god bless you my friends thank you so much for listening today and have a wonderful healthy mother's day And always remember that great kids are raised, not born, and great parents are taught.